the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Together for Good, brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. Together for Good exists to recognize and uplift the many people working together for the good of San Antonio and the surrounding communities. Now here's the host of Together for Good, Cody Knowlton. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on Together for Good. Together for Good is brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio exists to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our Baptist heritage by providing needed funds for health-related programs at area nonprofits and churches. This year, Baptist Health Foundation has a focus verse, which is from 1 Peter 4.11, and it reads, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks of the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, and to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Well, one organization that is serving well and speaking in the name of God in everything they do is Stitch Ministries. And today we're joined by Aaron Green, who is the distinguished president and CEO of Stitch Ministries. Aaron has come all the way from Beeville, Texas to be with us today. In fact, he may be our uh, first guest to make the longest trip. So, Aaron, we're glad you're with us today. Uh, Aaron has served Stitch uh, in his current role for 11 years. He's originally from Tibby, Alabama and holds a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration from Troy State University. Went on to get his master's degree in communication from Eastern New Mexico University. Aaron previously served at organizations in Texas, New Mexico, and Florida, where he oversaw residential programs, emergency shelters, foster care, adoptions, maternity care counseling, adult ministries, and outlying social work offices, as well as being involved in international child care efforts. He's an accomplished speaker and trainer in topics like leadership, motivation, management, and child care. Aaron and his wife, Shelly, have uh, children, uh, Harper and Deacon, and they are very active at the First Baptist Church of Beeville. So, Aaron, it's great to have you with us here today, and thank you for all that Stitch Ministries uh, does for uh, our community, for our state, for our our world. And um, just want to just get started with uh, perhaps having you give us an overview of Stitch Ministries and uh, maybe with the history, kind of how it all became one. Absolutely. It's great to be here, Cody. I appreciate the invitation, and we appreciate the Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio uh, so much for our partnership together. Uh, And uh, it's just a privilege to be here to share a little bit about how God is working at Stitch Ministries. Uh, We started out as South Texas Children's Home uh, back in 1952. Uh, That's why I'm in Beeville, is uh, our original campus uh, was built there outside of Beeville on a ranch, Uh, A lady named Laura Booth gave 640 acres uh, to the then pastor of First Baptist Church Beeville, Brother Jess Lunsford, and uh, he started South Texas Children's Home 71 years ago there on that property, and we still have a campus there today where we care for children, and uh, that's where my office is at. And uh, if you're not familiar with where Beeville is, if you draw a line between San Antonio and Corpus Christi, uh, we would pretty much be on that line a little closer to, to Corpus 
uh, but we're only about an hour and a half uh, from here in San Antonio. So that's how we were founded, how we started. Uh, we were founded with, with three principles that still hold true today that are very important to us. One is that we're 100% privately funded. We receive no state or federal government dollars. We've never had any debt in the history of the organization. And we do not allow one's ability to pay for the service or the ministry, keep them from receiving it. So what I mean by that is we could have a child come into care at six months old, stay with us till they're 18. Uh, They could go to college, get their master's degree, pursue their education as far as they'd like, and their parent or guardian would never have to pay us a dime or owe us a dime. We like to say nothing's free, uh, and that's why the generosity of individuals, of churches, of foundations— uh, is so important to us as an organization. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, there are, <clears throat> there are multiple uh, different branches kind of operating under Stitch. So tell us about that. Yeah, we have nine uh, distinct but intertwined programs that we operate. Uh, we have our Homes for Children program, which is the one I was just describing. Uh, these are kids that come to us from, from various situations, uh, but right now all of our kids on that campus are privately placed. So that means a parent, a guardian, uh, a, par- a, a biological parent, a grandmother, a grandfather, an uncle or an aunt works with our placement team uh, to place a child there on our campus. And they come to us for various reasons. Um, and uh, there's generally a need uh, for them to be with us. And uh, they come in and, and generally do great. We also have our Homes for Families program, which is also uh, kind of considered a single moms program. This is where we take the mothers and the children together. Uh, So moms come into care, but they bring their children with them. And we know that when we're working with two generations at once, we have a a greater opportunity to affect that third generation. We have two locations uh, for those programs. One of them is on a ranch outside of Goliad. Uh, That's our our Marshall uh, campus. And then uh, here in 2021, we actually acquired our Blue Bonnet campus uh, outside of Yoakum, which used to be the Blue Bonnet Youth Ranch. And mm. so we, uh, through our ministry consulting program, connected with their board and began to discuss with them options that they could uh, have on that campus, programs they could run. And kind of at the end of those discussions, they decided, hey, we, we think you guys are the, the experts in this, and we would love for you guys to take this campus and run it how you see fit. So we turned that into one of our Homes for Families uh, models as well. Um, so those are our, our campus ministries, as mm. we refer to them. We also work internationally. Uh, right now in the Dominican Republic and, and El Salvador. Uh, we take American teams into those countries, and we know when teams are, and families are serving together, uh, they're stronger when they come back here to the States. Uh, so that's the, the, generally uh, the, the important part of our international program. We do have orphanages and schools and churches that we partner with internationally, and they're blessed through the service, uh, but we really want to focus on uh, those Americans that are going down and serving together. Another program we have is our, our counseling program. Mm. Uh, we have counseling offices here in San Antonio is a, is a hub region. Houston is a hub region. Corpus Christi is a region. Uh, McAllen is a region, and also Victoria. So we kind of have five of these hub regions. And, again, uh, we're seeing families coming to us, children coming to us, couples coming to us, individuals with all sorts of different things that they would see a counselor for, mm. uh, and we're able to do that in about 17, 18 locations throughout Uh, throughout South Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have our faith and work, faith and finance classes that we teach through churches generally. We also teach sometimes at YMCA's, and we partner with other organizations that feel like um, their staff sometimes need to take those programs. And so uh, there's a component to that of what Scripture says about your finances. There's a component to that uh, that also deals with um, what Scripture says about finding purpose in your work. Uh, And then also there's also a job readiness uh, aspect 
of that program where we're trying to help people get the skills they need uh, to get employment and even working with what we kind of call second-chance employers that will uh, allow our students to come in and and apply for jobs. We also work a lot with pastors. Uh, We have a pastor care program uh, where we connect with pastors. You know, pastors are people who uh, are the ones that generally have everyone turning to them. And so we want to create a system and a model uh, where pastors have someone to turn to. So that's a, a real brief, real quick overview of a number of our programs uh, the heart and soul of everything we do, though, is to minister to the family unit, uh, and we've been ple- blessed and privileged to be able to do that for 71 years. Mm-hmm. And we'll drill down on a few of those programs here in just a minute, so I want to come back uh, to those. Before we go a little further, you know, what, what brought you to Stitch, Aaron? I mean, and why, uh, when did the passion for families and for children kind of hit you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I've been working with children and families and these sorts of programs for over 20 years now. Um, I would just say that it was a burden uh, that the Lord laid on my heart. Uh, I was blessed to grow up in a a strong Christian home with a great father and a great mother, uh, but I also saw the impact of uh, families that were not healthy. Um, Something I think that also the Lord laid on my heart was the epidemic epidemic of fatherlessness that we face in our country right now. And so, um, you know, as my desire professionally has always been to be where God wants me to be, and that's opened up all sorts of doors that I never dreamed possible. Uh, my wife, Shelly, is from El Paso, Texas, and uh, I was out visiting her when we were dating and uh, was at church, and a gentleman came up to me that was a CEO of a children's home, and we got to know each other, and he offered me a position at that organization, and he and I are still good friends today. Uh, and so from that point on, we've just really been willing to pursue God's plan for us and where he would have us to be, and it's taken me through all sorts of just unique and, and tremendous experiences. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I attribute that to to just God's will and our desire to want to be in the center of it. Wow! Well, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for being faithful to the calling that you you uh, you heard. Because uh, not not all of us do that. You know, we we want to go our own path and say, "Well, that's a nice idea, Lord," but uh, I'd rather go do something else uh, that you know may pay more money or you know whatever the, the the reason might be. So, thank you for hearing the call and for being at Stitch. Um, you're making a big difference there. Well, let, let's let's get back to the programs. Tell us more about the Homes for Children uh, program. I mean, how, how does it function, and uh, you know, uh, how how is it different than you know foster care? Uh, just those kind of things. Yeah, if you were to picture uh, a neighborhood out in the country, maybe a subdivision with uh, a large number of homes, uh, almost like you would see in a big city with swimming pool and gymnasium and horses and cattle and animals and that sort of thing. You may not see that in the city, but that's very much the, the, the model that we have. We, we like to talk a lot about normalcy. We want to give our kids as, as much of a normal home-like environment as possible. So the way the kids are cared for in the homes is they have house parents that live in the home with them. They are employees, and they are their, their mother and their father as, as they are in our care. Um, we have other support staff that work with children in care. We have counselors. We have caseworkers. Obviously, we have administration that's there to make sure that, um, that everything that's going on in our campuses are as healthy as possible uh, and designing plans of care for each child very specifically, depending on their background and, and what they've been through. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're 100% privately placed on our Homes for Children campus. That has, has not been always the case. Up until about three years ago, we did take kids that were placed uh, from CPS. Uh, we did not take the dollars, but we did take the kids. And about 11 years ago, there was a federal lawsuit in the state of Texas 
uh, and it really uh, has changed child welfare in our state. Now, we have a child welfare crisis in our state right now, yeah. and because of some of the things that took place because of that lawsuit, we felt like it would be a good time for us to just work directly with families. So you asked about the difference between foster care and what we do, and what I would say is a foster care is, is a system. And so when CPS removes a child for whatever reason, uh, they then have to find that child another place to live. Many times that's a kinship placement. Is there an uncle? Is there an aunt? Uh, but sometimes that's actually in a foster home that's licensed in the community. And then at other times it is in a facility like ours where it's, it's, the licensure is a GRO, a group residential operation. Uh, the difference between us now is we're 100% privately placed. Mm-hmm. So we still work with CPS. Maybe CPS goes out on a call and they see that the situation isn't good, but there's not enough there to remove the child. Uh, we then can intervene and work directly with the family so CPS doesn't have to open a case. Uh, so we're kind of early intervention. We're, we're on the prevention side of things. So we, we work with kids that are, that are very similar to kids that would be, quote, unquote, in the foster care system. Um, but we work directly with the families as opposed to working through the department to help those, um, to help those children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's great. That's great. I, uh, let's jump, jump forward just a little bit to, to the counseling uh, that y'all do because that is such an important uh, need right now on, in so many ways. Uh, in fact, we, we don't have enough counselors, enough psych- psychologists, therapists, et cetera. So tell me, tell me more about the kind of counseling services uh, y'all provide, and then you know, how can people uh, access those? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, Stitch Ministries has, has always, uh, I think, just been great at is being on the cutting edge of programs. While we're in small towns and, and uh, in remote locations sometimes, we're also on the cutting edge of a lot of programs. And actually back in 1995, our first counseling office was opened in Corpus Christi. And that was a very foreign concept back in 1995, especially for an organization like us. And so through the years, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've added on other locations. We've, we've grown with our number of counselors, but we also have learned so much more about counseling and the needs of children and families. And so right now, because the need is so great, one of the things that we're, we're um, asking of people is that they have a pastoral reference. We believe that we can help someone in a counseling office in a, in a great way, but they also need a church home. They need that support system of a Sunday school class or a small group. And so uh, the majority of our counselors are LPCs. They're licensed professional counselors, but all of our counseling blends psychology with scriptural principles. So we're, we're very unique in how we do that as well. Uh, there are a lot of colleges that do a good job teaching those types of uh, programs where they blend seminary with counseling, but a lot do not do a good job with that either. So we're very unique in how we counsel, and, and, but we're very open to who we counsel. We see couples, uh, we see families, we do play therapy, um, just about any kind of situation you could imagine. We're pretty well equipped to step in and uh, try to help those people in that family get through that situation. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Together for Good. Uh, this is a radio program and a podcast that is hosted by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. I'm Cody Knowlton, your host, and uh, we're joined today by Aaron Green, who's the president and CEO of Stitch Ministries. And uh, Aaron has been sharing with us um, about the many different facets uh, of Stitch. And so, uh, Aaron, uh, let's let's 
since we're talking about counseling and we're talking more about just you know regular folks, you do you know offer counseling services to pastors, and I can't think of a a more needed group that sometimes gets overlooked because everybody thinks, well, the pastor of a church he always has everything together. He doesn't he doesn't have any problems. Uh, he doesn't need a friend. He doesn't need a, a listening ear. Um, tell us more about why that service is necessary. Yeah, I believe the Lord kind of birthed that pastor care idea uh, into my heart uh, back in uh, about 2015. And what we were seeing in our counseling offices were more and more church staff, pastors, pastors' wives that were coming in. And so, again, it's a very specific niche um, when we talk about counseling a pastor. And so, we um, were able to find a gentleman named Tim Williams who lives in Victoria, had been a pastor for almost 30 years, and uh, he agreed to come on board and kind of head up this pastor care program for us. And, again, he is, he is a pastor. who He is someone who has lived in those shoes. And so he's able to connect with pastors in a very um, intentional way. And, uh, you know, so many times in our churches we turn to our pastors for help, but who does the pastor turn to? Mm-hmm. And, and many times what we see is they don't have anybody to turn to. Um, pastors are, I, I, they are not immune, obviously. As a matter of fact, I would say we know if we're lo- working for the Lord, Satan is going to attack us even more. And so our pastors and their families are under attack. And so we want to make sure that pastors know that they're not in this alone, uh, that we have uh, a specific person that they can connect with. And then depending on what the needs are from there, uh, our pastor care director then can can get them connected in counseling offices that we have if that's what's best, or he can work directly with them. He is finishing up his certification actually in pastor coaching. There's a curriculum to become a pastor coach, and he's wrapping that up uh, here very soon. And so we just see a great need. We we know that the the hope of our of our world are our healthy churches, hmm. uh, and so if our churches aren't healthy, uh, then then we're going to be in trouble. And so we see disturbing statistics with students that are coming out of seminary they're not wanting to be pastors as much anymore we're seeing more and more pastors getting burned out Uh, we're seeing more and more pastors that need sabbaticals and so we also serve to help pastors with sabbaticals and then we also fill the pulpit uh, while those uh, pastors are out on those sabbaticals and so we work very intentionally with pastors and their families because uh, we believe that's an important um, vital uh, thing that we need in our society I mean, are, are there any other specific challenges that come to mind uh, that that pastors and their families face? I mean, I, I, I've read about pastors facing depression, some even committing suicide. I mean, it's it's real, it's real hard stuff that you again just don't think the pastor struggles with any of that. Yeah, I think I think so many times we do a great job of putting on our Sunday best and showing up on Sundays and making it appear like there aren't these trials and tribulations in our churches. But the pastor knows a lot of the times the truth behind what really is going on in his church. And, and what we have heard and seen is, you know, they're not trained many times in seminary to deal with uh, someone in their congregation that's suicidal. You know, they, someone shows up in, in their office and, and maybe a mother discloses, my, my son has said he's going to commit suicide. I don't know what to do. Well, the truth is the pastor doesn't know what to do either very often. And so what uh, are the resources that we can share with them to get in that instance, that, that person, the help that they need. But they're just burdens on top of burdens on top of burdens, and they don't have any way to get it out. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we do see a, a troubling, again, statistic of, of pastors taking their own lives. And I think in, in large part it goes back to that, that idea of not having anyone to turn to, and the burdens just continue to grow and compound and compound. And sometimes they turn to things for those burdens that 
uh, are not helpful. They're more destructive, mm-hmm. and that impacts their family. And, and again, you don't know always what's going on in a pastor's family's life either. They're sometimes having struggles, and and so it's it's like living in a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody kind of sees what's going on, and they're judging your children, they're judging your spouse, your wife, and your family, and, and you have this pressure of maybe feeling like you need to be that perfect model. And that's just not the reality of of how it is. And so, yeah, we see those things happening, and uh, we're trying to do the best we can to to help pastors work through those situations. Mm -hmm. You know, pivoting back to families, you know, Aaron, what what common struggles do you uh, see uh, in the families that you all serve? Yeah, I think in families in general today, we're just more disconnected. Um, the, the days of the family unit sitting down and, and having supper together every night without the interruption of cell phones and TVs and video games and social media and all the different things that are coming at us. Um, we, we're living in a time when our children are influenced more by outside um, noise, if you want to call it that, as opposed to the, the, the close dynamics of, of the family. One of the things that has been on my heart as well is, is just, the, again, the epi- epidemic of, of fatherlessness. Um, and what we see now is you may have a father and a mother in the home, but they're not really there. They're on their phones all the time or they're uh, on social media all the time. Well, or so they could be working, you they, know. They could be. So much at-home work now. Yeah, I, I was in Houston on Saturday at an event, and um, one of our former um, – employees in the Dominican Republic was there and he has moved to the United States and he and I were talking and he's and and he was telling me that he he wanted to go back to the Dominican and we were talking through that and he said there's just such a fast pace of life here in the United States and he said I never understood it he said there's no there's no time there's always something else that we need to be doing Mm -hmm. and so our, our 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 culture tells us we should be our kids should be involved in all these different things and if they're not getting um, you know, personal coaching on all these different things, and they're going to fall behind. And if they're not getting tutoring in this, and they're not a musician, and they're not an athlete, then we're just we're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. Mm. And uh, I think that stress is and that strain has really impacted families. And so we work with families to try to stay connected, to make time for one another. Um, we believe wholeheartedly that our relationship with our Heavenly Father comes first, our relationship with our spouse comes next, and then our relationship with our kids. And we see a lot of mothers whose purpose is in their children, but what does that mean for their spouse and how do they stay connected and how do they make their spouse a priority uh, when their kids are pulling at them with so many different needs. And so families are struggling today uh, more than we've seen, certainly in my career. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a client story you could share? Oh, goodness, yeah. We certainly have We have tons of, of client stories to share. One that I'll share, though, um, that, that really resonates who we are as an organization is we had a young lady who went into one of our counseling offices. Uh, she, was, she was at her church, and she uh, found out she was expecting another child. Um, and she didn't know what to do. She already had a number of children. And she, her first thought was, I want to find a counselor to go see, to talk to, and I want that counselor to tell me that it's okay for me to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was even a lot of uh, suicidal ideations as well. And so it just so happened that the counseling office that she got connected to was our counseling office. Mm. And that's not what we told her. We told her that God has a plan for her and God has a plan for that baby. And through a series of connections, um, that young lady came into care at our Homes for Families program on one of our campuses. Mm. She kept the child. She was able to get her feet on the ground. She was able to graduate high school. She had not graduated high school at that point. 
and uh, she was, um, you know, at a place where she should have already graduated. She did graduate. Uh, she is now finishing up nursing school oh, wow. and is going to be able to uh, affect generations of her family to come because she had that opportunity, but she took advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. And so when I think of a, a client story, I think about her because she was connected through counseling. And then the way she really got the help that she needed, though, was through our Homes for Families program. And it's great to see her and follow her story. Uh, and, and we get updates from her. We see her regularly, and she continues mm-hmm. to um, just do great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure those success stories are what gets you up every day to know that's that's the, the difference that you're making. And uh, how can uh, the community support you, uh, Aaron? I mean, give us a website. Uh, give us kind of a way for, for uh, the listeners to connect with you. Absolutely. A, gr- a great resource is our website. You can check that out at stchm.org. Uh, obviously it's going to have a ton of useful information about our programs, events that we have. The number one thing I would ask that you do is pray for us. Mm. Uh, Keep us in your prayers. Um, Prayer changes situations. Prayer changes lives. Uh, Pray for our staff as they're in these difficult situations, trying to understand how to help people sometimes. Pray for those that we serve, our clients, our kids, our moms. Uh, And then, as I mentioned earlier, at being 100% privately funded, um, we rely on the generosity of individuals. And so certainly... Uh, the three things we all have is our time, our talents, and our treasures. And so we would love to engage people in all three of those areas, whether they want to volunteer and get involved. Uh, you might even be involved in coming on board and being an employee at some point. Yeah. Well, how about I close this with prayer? And uh, since you, you said we can pray for you, well, we'll, Absolutely. Do that. we'll do that right now. Yes, sir. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you for today. Thank you for this program that uh, is enabling us to uh, reach out to our nonprofits. And uh, we're grateful for Aaron, for Stitch Ministries, and for its legacy and history of uh, impacting uh, children, families. And uh, we just continue to lift their work up and just pray that the right folks will come their direction uh, with their time, their talent, their treasure. But, Lord, we pray for the children. We pray for the families uh, that need uh, the counseling, need the love, need the services. And we just pray uh, for those folks that come uh, their direction. And we just love you, and we lift up this day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Aaron, we really appreciate you coming uh, to be with us today, and uh, we're grateful for Stitch. And uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in today to our show. You can catch our episodes anywhere you get your podcast, or by visiting uh, Baptist Health Foundation's website, which is bhfsa.org slash togetherforgood. We'll be back next week with another great conversation about health matters and the work of our nonprofits in our area. God bless, and take care, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today for Together for Good. We hope you've been encouraged, uplifted, and inspired. Until our next time together, may the Lord bless and keep you. And in all things, to God be the glory. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.